Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Jesus is very honest with John, and he's very honest with you. If you're going through the book of Revelation, you're almost halfway through this book. He's very honest with you. He says, listen, there's going to be times you're going to take this in, and it's going to be as sweet as honey. Then there's going to be other times where you're taking this in, and you're going through Revelation chapter 9, where a third of the world's population is dying, and judgment is falling on this planet, and that kind of makes you a little sick to your stomach. Sometimes the Word can do that. Sweet on the lips, and then it goes down, and you're like, this is difficult to digest. The Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide the flesh from the Spirit. In today's message, Pastor James explains how Revelation is even more like the verse we just read, as Jesus declared it himself. This great book is sweet in that we have a kindred redeemer returning for us, but his wrath is being poured out on those who rejected him in this life. Thank God for his mercy on us on that great and terrible day. Don't be afraid of the blessing that comes from the Bible and look onward to the return of the King. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. If you're looking at these things as separate events, like the seals and then the trumpets and then the bowls, I mean, you've already had a good portion of humanity that's been wiped out already. And now you're looking at upwards. I mean, even if you're talking about one third of the population, that's two billion people. That's two billion people wiped out. We've never seen anything, anything to even come close to that. Even World War, World War I, World War II, add both of the death tolls up to that, and it doesn't even begin to scratch. You know, it doesn't even begin to get close to 2 billion people, assuming this happened today. Because right now, the thought is like, well, there's probably, you know, if, if we get about the estimate, it's like close to like 8 billion people on this planet, or somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly what the number is right now, but so you got a third upwards of a third, but if the population continues to grow and increase, well, then it just means more people, there's more death. It's tragic. But let's not forget, so you got five months of locusts, quote unquote, right? Like, they should be driving people towards what? Repentance. It's bad. It's really bad. But there's an answer. That's the thing. During this time period, you still have 144,000 witnesses proclaiming the gospel. And I, I mean, there's a lot that's going on. It's not like the people of, of earth are without a witness or anything like that. They're not without an excuse. I mean, the gospel is being presented. Jesus is being proclaimed. I mean, the way out is being constantly proclaimed to everybody from the beginning of this time period to the end of this time period. They're not without an excuse. They just don't want. They just don't want them. They do not want Jesus. Goes on, verse 16, they led, these four um, angels, it says, they led an army of 200 million mounted troops. I heard in an, uh, an announcement of how many they were. So John's like watching all this, and he's like, I just happened to hear the number. There's 200 million. So are those 200 million actual physical human soldiers? Could be. 
that's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of soldiers. Is this in any way reference towards um, Gog and Magog and that, that invasion that's going to happen? Some people think so. Some people believe that's already happened at this point in time. And some people believe that, no, there's 200 million mounted troops. And we'll see the horses that, are, that they're riding on, that this, again, is just another just spiritual war, spiritual army that's there, demonic army. Here's what I know. It's going from bad to worse. Like, you got demon locusts stinging everybody. Nobody's dying from that. That's like five months. I mean, I guess that's a bad five months. That's almost a, a half of a year. Uh, it's kind of like what we feel with this coronavirus, right? It's like, man, this has been like, well, how many months has it been? It seems like kind of the same thing. But you go from that to like, now you got this army you got these angels, they have this ability to wipe out a third of humanity. People were begging for death with the locusts. And it's that thing of, be careful what you wish for, because death is coming. And it's coming in droves. A third of the population, a third of all people, a third of all people. Goes on to say, and in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The, the riders wore armor that was fiery red, sky blue, and yellow, like sulfur, kind of a yellow. And their horses' heads were like the heads of lions. And fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on the earth were killed by these three plagues by the fire and the smoke and the burning sulfur that came from the, the mouths of the horses. So it's not really so much the riders as it is the quote-unquote, quote-unquote, the horses. There's fire, there's smoke, and there's this burning sulfur. This is what's wiping out humanity. Well, what is that? I have no idea. I have no clue. All I know is it's bad. Like, that's bad. Are these like really, are they real horses? I don't know, but horses seem to be used quite a bit. I mean, we've already had, um, we've already had a couple of references of, of horses uh, with, you know, four riders, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We're going to see that towards the end of this book, Jesus is going to come back on a horse and you and I, the host, you know, people from, from heaven will be riding with him on horses. Um, I don't know. Are they real horses? I, I have no idea. It could be, I guess. It's not something to get tripped up on or anything like that. And trying to figure out like, okay, so the, the horse's heads are kind of like a lion. Was that literal? Is that figurative? You know, it, it pro- it's descriptive terms that John's using to describe. He's like, again, put yourself in his shoes. You're this Jewish man who's in his upper, you know, 90s, who's seen everything. And he's like, um... This is kind of what it looked like to me, you know? It, he's doing his best to describe what he's seeing. The, the point of it is not what these things really are, though. See, that's where we tend to get tripped up on, because we, got it, we just got to know. We got to know. We got, I got to know what this means. I, is this literal? Is this figurative? I got to Don't miss the point, because the point is this. Remember, God is in control. He's in control. And even the scariest things that maybe the enemy has to throw at you, he technically can't touch you only if God really allows him to. 
I mean, look, read the whole story of Job. Job went through a tremendous amount of suffering because God was bragging about Job to Satan. Did he consider my servant Job? Satan's like, oh, he only follows you because you bless him. If you took away the blessings, he'd, he'd curse you to your face. God's like, all right, well, let's check it. Let's see. Let's see. And then poor Job's just down there, ignorant as can be on planet Earth, like, you know, just thinking, it's another day, right? I'm going to make some, all, some sacrifices for my kids and all this stuff. And then those kids are gone. Those things are gone. Everything is gone in his life. He goes through a rough time period. And Satan was allowed to, what? And God told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, just, you, you just can't kill him. You can't take his life. And we're thinking like, no, that's not right, God. <laughs> no, that's not right. Like, you, that's not okay for you to let Satan do this to us. And he's like, well, did you read the whole story of Job, though? Because you really have to read the whole story to understand and to see the beauty of the book of Job. We're at the end, as God has a little powwow with Job, and says, Job, you've been talking this whole book. Now it's my turn. Let me ask you some questions, Job. Where you been? When I laid the foundations of the world, where were you? Where were you? Hey, when I made all these animals, where were you? You got all these answers. You got all this stuff. You got all this people, you know, church people. You got all this wisdom for God and every. But where were you when he made everything? You didn't exist. You didn't exist. And you don't exist unless he creates you, Period right? And then God's, and God deal, lovingly deals with Job, and then God blesses Job. You read the end of that story, and man, it's like, did he experience loss? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did God bless him and restore a lot of, man, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful story. It's a tremendously beautiful story. The whole point I think that we need to hold fast to concerning as we go through the book of Revelation is this, God's in control, and bad things will happen. But none of it happens beyond God's control, okay? So you can trust him. You, you can read the book of Revelation, study through this thing, and you can walk away with it with this one thing. Lord, I know I can trust you. I know that I can trust you. Because you can. You can absolutely trust him. So he's describing these horses um, and the plagues and, and how they're taking out people and all this good stuff. Verse 19, the power was in their mouths, uh, but also in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes. That's just a weird, what? This, what? Weird horse thing. It's got like a, its head looks like a lion, but its tail is like a snake. Just weird, weird stuff. But it's just showing like it's got the power to injure, the power to inflict pain upon people. But here's the deal. Verse 20, the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to turn from their evil deeds. You would think, right? I'm like, I see the demon locust flying at me. I'm like, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> like, uh, get that thing away from me. Like, I surrender. I'm done. I'm good. And even if it wasn't, the locust wasn't enough for you. You see these horses and the riders, and they're killing everybody. I think I'm going to rethink my life choices. I think I'm just going to, Jesus, can we have a come to Jesus meeting? You're like, can we do that like right now? People still, they refused, they refused to turn from their evil deeds, refused, flat out just, 
as, as witnesses are telling them, hey, you don't have to suffer. Hey, you don't have to die. Hey, you don't have to get stung by these locusts. There is a way out. And his name is Jesus. And they would say, please stop talking to me about that man. I don't need religion. I don't need Jesus. I'll figure this thing. You figure it out. Okay, figure it out. Figure it out. Get, buy a giant fly swatter. Try to kill those locusts, but you're not going to survive. You, you're not going to make it, okay? Because something worse than the locusts is around the corner. They refuse. They continue to worship demons and idols. They continue with their idolatry. The idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that neither see nor hear, nor walk. They're dumb. Dumb. In the purest sense of the term, they are dumb. They are made out of elements that don't exist unless God has created them. We're worshiping creation and not the creator. There's a danger there. So they repent of their murders or their witchcraft, their immorality, or their thefts. They're like, I think I'm just going to keep on killing and stealing. Like, I mean, things are bad, but I find that this is therapeutic. This helps me take my mind off all the stress in my life. Like, what? They're still going to do their idolatry. They're still the, the witchcraft. That's a weird term, okay? But that has that connection with that pharmakia, okay? Which we have our pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, and I can promise you this, during this time, I promise you drug use will be through the roof. Self-medicating and all that good stuff. I mean, imagine living during this time period. You're going to need some sort of an escape. And when you reject the one escape, which is Jesus, I mean, you're going to, you'll be taking anything and everything. But they, they refuse. They, they, they're murders. I mean, they're still murdering each other. They're still killing each other. They refuse to repent. Chapter 10. It's only 11 verses. I think this is really key to chapter 9, okay? It says, Then I saw another angel, a mighty angel, coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud, with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. Who could this be? I think it's Jesus, okay? There you go. Like, <laughs> I believe that this is Jesus. Actually, I know that this is Jesus, because chapter 11 will tell us so. It says, in his hand was a small scroll. So here's, this, here's Jesus, giant Jesus. And in his hand, he's got this really small scroll, which he had unrolled. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a great shout like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. When the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, this is John, but a voice from heaven called to me and said, keep secret what the seven thunders said. Do not write it down. And you're like, What? Really? Come on. Secrets? No. Oh, yeah, there's secrets. See, there's even secrets in heaven. We all love secrets. Don't you? You love secrets. You can go up to somebody, especially if you're ever around kids, you say, hey, you want to know a secret? Ten times out of ten, they're going to say, yeah, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't want to know a secret? You could tell an adult, like, hey, you want to know a secret? Yeah. Yes, please. Please. Our world runs on secrets, okay? We love information, and especially we love having information before anybody else, right? Because that really makes sense. I mean, that makes you feel like kind of important, right? Here's John. He's like got his notebook. His notebook. He's got his moleskin journal, and he's writing down. And he's like, all right, what was that? Okay, he heard everything that was said. He's going to write it down, and heaven's like, uh, 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 
No, 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 no. Don't write that down. Come on. Then why put it in there? Well, just so you understand that not everything is revealed that's going on. There's still a lot of mysteries concerning heaven and God. If anything, that should get you kind of amped up for an eternity with him. Hey, God, so uh, Revelation chapter 10, what's that secret? Well, come here, I'll tell you, right? Don't write it down. It's a secret. Keep it a secret. Can you imagine being John? Like, the vision's over. He goes back to normal life. And he's got to keep that secret with him till the day he dies. I, I, know, I know why Nellie Grizzle was not, raptured, was not taken up to heaven, okay? She cannot keep secrets at all. She cannot do it. She's watching right now, and she knows. I'll get a ding on my phone saying, that's true. John's like, all right, I'll, just, I'll take this one to the grave. But what a blessing for him. That's the other cool thing about this. Here's John who's been faithfully walking with the Lord from like age, early 20s. And now he's 90 years old. And God's like, hey, John, you keep that one. You keep that one. You keep that one for yourself. That's how cool God is. That's how sweet God is. How amazing. How amazing. There's times where God will show up in your devotional life and he'll say, hey, 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 hey. You keep that one. You hold on to that one. That one's just for you. That one's just for you. It's a beautiful, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about that. It's such a sweet and intimate thing. God's like, hey, yeah, there's, there's some things that I want to share with you that I want you to share with other people. But then there's sometimes I want to share something with you that is just for you. Just for you. That's the God you serve. Very relational, very intimate, sweet as can be. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Goes on to say, verse 5, the mighty angel standing on the sea and the land lifted his right hand to heaven, and he swore an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and everything in it, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. And he said, God will wait no longer. But when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants the prophets. So again, another, that's just another reminder for you to like go back to the Old Testament. Don't throw away the Old Testament. Sometimes there's this notion that we have like, well, we don't really go to the Old Testament. We don't really teach through the Old Testament because it just doesn't seem, you know, it's, it's history stuff and that's boring. Not to me. I love history. But it's like, it just doesn't seem like it's relevant for today. You don't understand Revelation unless you have a good grasp of what the Old Testament says. There's a reason why Calvary Galveston, my goal is to teach through the entire word of God as many times as I possibly can. Why? So that you see the whole picture. So that you see the whole thing. Because all of it matters. And I don't care if churches want to throw away the book of Leviticus and they don't want to go through it verse by verse. We will go through the book of Leviticus verse by verse one day. I don't know. It's not at the top of the list, but it's on the list, right? It's all about holiness. It's a beautiful book. It's got weird stuff in it. I understand that. But it's a beautiful book because it's breathed by God and it matters. We don't pick and choose. We don't pick and choose. We don't do that. The whole book matters. The prophets had announced it. They've been foretelling this for a while. Verse 8, the voice from heaven called to me again, go and take the unrolled scroll from the angel who is standing on the sea and the land. 
So I approached him and asked him to give me the little scroll, right? So here's John approaching giant Jesus, okay? We don't know how big. I mean, in my head, I envision he's like one, one foot in the sea and one foot on the land. I'm like, how big is he? We don't technically, it could be still normal size, right? But I'm just envisioning giant Jesus, and in his hands, he's got this little scroll. And John approaches him and says, hey, um, can I please have that? He says, yes, take it and eat it. He said, at first it will taste like honey, but when you swallow it, it will make your stomach sour. So I took the little scroll from the hands of the angel and I ate it. And it was sweet in my mouth, but it made my stomach sour. Then he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. What what is this scroll? What is this representation of? And all this good stuff. Most individuals believe Pure and simple, the scroll represents the word of God. And John is invited to devour the word of God. And Jesus is very honest with John. And he's very honest with you. You're going through the book of Revelation. You're almost halfway through this book. He's very honest with you. He says, listen, there's going to be times you're going to take this in and it's going to be as sweet as honey. Then there's going to be other times where you're taking this in and you're going through Revelation chapter 9 where a third of the world's population is dying and judgment is falling on this planet and that kind of makes you a little sick to your stomach. Sometimes the word can do that. Sweet on the lips and then it goes down and you're like, this is difficult to digest. Sometimes that's how it is. But here's the point. You take in the whole thing. You take in the whole thing. Feast on the entire word of God. Feast on the Word of God. Enjoy all of it, even the parts that you don't understand, even the parts that, man, I'm like, I, it's so difficult for me, Lord. I can't get a grasp. I can't understand why you would do this or why you would do it like that. And, and what about these people and all that stuff? You keep eating it. Keep feeding on it. Keep feeding on it. I think there was a point for John. I think it's an application point for us. I mean, I know that there's a whole lot more to this little chapter here, but as just a pure and simple application point for us today, I would say this. You go through a book that's like Revelation, which can be sometimes difficult to swallow, for sure, right? I mean, it's sweet. We know the end of it all, like Jesus wins. We win because we're connected to him and all that good stuff. But ultimately, you've got to deal with a large part of humanity dying because they reject Jesus. I don't care who you are, that's, that can be, that's hard to stomach at times, right? I mean, it just is, unless you're cold and callous and you don't really care about people, but then that's not, you're not, you're not representing Jesus, you know, because even God himself says, I don't even, I don't wish for the wicked to perish. I don't wish for them to perish. I mean, God's, God's goal is for everybody to get saved, but not everybody's going to get saved. But God's not like, woo, celebrating the loss of a you know, third of the human population. He's not cheering that on. You don't see that. You don't hear that. Why? Because God doesn't want the wicked to perish. He wants them to repent and come to a saving knowledge of him. So we should feel the same way. We should feel the same way. And you do feel the same way when you just keep feeding on the word. You just keep feeding on the word. So I think that's a good little reminder for us. Almost at the halfway point of Revelation, it's just, you know what? Just keep feeding on the Word. Just keep feeding on the Word. Uh, the sweet parts and the bitter parts. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless.
Revelation isn't just a dream that John made up to entertain or scare people. But yet, I wonder what we feel about the last book of the Bible. John's vision of what he saw in the heavens offers many details and signs about what we can expect to come in the future. I take comfort in these words found in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that is going to be. Are you ready, friends, for Jesus to return? If you have questions regarding today's message, would you let us know by visiting breadforthebroken.com and submitting your question through email? We look forward to answering your questions and praying for you as well. There's loads of messages from Pastor James Grizzle to be found, so don't navigate away from breadforthebroken.com until you've perused them at your leisure. They're to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to encourage and uplift you as you navigate the storms that life throws at you, because we know how rough life gets sometimes. Are you looking for a church to call home, one that's genuine, simple, and uncomplicated? Well, guess what? You found it here with us at Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m., you can find us studying God's Word together. So, would you make some plans to come join us? We sure hope so. We trust that you've been blessed by this edition of Bread for the Broken. See you next time. Let me paint the picture of you, man.